I was thinking also that the end of this month is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation and Martin Luther, you know, nailing the 95 Thesis on the door, the Wittenberg door. And uh, so in a couple of weeks, I want to talk about some of those things that we need to make sure we know we believe. You know, it says, I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. We need to know who we believe in but we also need to know what we believe. Because you're going to be tested. Everything that we said we believed is going to go through the fire to see if it really, we really believe that or not. And, um, you know, when the Lord comes back, you know, it's, He said, will I find faith on the earth? Well, we got to be determined He's going to find faith in us. And uh, I'm, I've made up my mind. I've been around here too long, not just here, but in this thing too long now. I'm not turning back. I'm going to endure, and so are you. If you come here, you're going to endure, or you're not going to have a very good time. And I'm going to talk about some of that this morning. But, um, you know, everybody know what Friday was, right? From Friday sundown till Saturday sundown, the Day of Atonement. And uh, so I went away to get away with God just found a place. Didn't have to go so far. I was going to go hours away. But then Shirley suggested something. And, and I forgot about that place. There's a place just north. And you can oversee all of Wilkes County. to Moravian Retreat Center. And I went there. They have a cabin that pastors can stay in. And, you know, it's an amazing retreat center, guys. We've got to start using that place. Because I was walking around. There was nobody around there. And uh, what a wonderful facility. So I know they'll let us use it. I mean, we're in Moravian Falls. We can use that place. But anyway, I was, you know, when I was driving up there, it does take you what? To get to the north. Maybe 35, 40 minutes to get to that part of the county. And so I was listening to the conference, Brother Sadu, you know, some of the things, trying to relive what he said, because I forgot. I mean, he's preached, what, three or four times, three and a half hours. You know, it's hard to remember all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about? So you need to go back. And refresh your memory. And, um, you know, he said a lot of stuff that's happened and things that are going to happen. In fact, as I was listening to, to that and then as I would go from where I would stay in to another place that I found to pray and I could hide out. And it was a really encouraging place. But listening to Brother Sadhu's messages was both, both encouraging and frightening, to tell you the truth. You know, both. I'm just going to be honest. And, I mean, he spoke that there would be a flood in Houston, and seven days later, there was a flood in Houston. And, uh, you know, that just makes me think that maybe some of the other things he said we may want to pay attention to. So I'm trying to pay attention. And, uh, you know, I'm also amazed how God has sent some of his best servants here to the gathering. You know, some of you think guys think I just you know, plan all this. It just happens a lot of times. I mean, something, you know, I don't know how it all happens. I'm trusting God. You know what I mean? I gave this church. He has to be the pastor. I'm just here, you know, as a steward and what he's given me to do. But he sent some of the greatest servants, men and women on the planet. And now that's encouraging. But the other thing is too much is given, much is required. But also it tells me that we have a great calling.
In fact, I heard that on the, the CD again, listening yesterday, that God has chosen this place. And then Etienne last week reminded us God has chosen you. He's chosen this place. And one thing that Brother Sadhu said, he's chosen us to be a region of refuge. I mean, if you remember that. But do you remember what he said right after that? Anybody want to take a shot? I bet you forgot. A region of refuge in a time of, I knew you forgot, war. And I was, you know, reliving that thinking. I heard an interview this week. What's his name? James Wolsey, former CIA director. You know, we've, we've been wondering, does North Korea have an EMP in the satellite that flies over America twice every day? How many of you knew that? Every day. Well, James Woolsey put the question to rest. He said, they do. And I wondered, why are they provoking us? And I tell you, there's a lot of things. We're just, you remember what El Sadu said? He said, I wonder how you're still alive. That's what he said to the American church. I wonder how you're even still alive. And then he challenged us to pray, to intercede. And um, what an amazing time we're living. How many of you are excited to live in 2017? You know, it's incredible. Obviously, he saw something in us that we didn't see ourselves. He chose you to be alive in this moment of history. And... Um, He's going to prove himself faithful because the Lord, I believe, it's not, this is not taking the scripture out of context. I believe it's real that to much is given, much is required, to, but to whom much is required, much grace will be given. And that's scripture. I'm, we see that all through. Much, much grace. How many of you need grace? I need a lot of grace. James, you need a lot of grace. Dylan, Nolet, David, you got a lot of grace. Guess what? You get a lot of grace. I don't think, you think you'll ever use up the grace, the amount of grace measured to you? I don't think you ever will. Well, I was also, when I got in my little cabin, the really cool little cabin up there. And, um, but you know, you're just there by yourself. You look at the four walls and God. And I was thinking, you know, the, the scripture said in Jeremiah, if they, if they had stood in my council, and I looked the word up, it meant session. I guess that's what the Presbyterians do. They're in session. Well, I told the Lord, Lord, I'm in session. All right? You and me. Shirley's not here. So it's you and me. My dog, no one's here. So I went into session, and he reminded me. You know, remember Jeremiah? He said that, in fact, let me just read that scripture. Verse 21 of chapter 23. He says, I've not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I've not spoken to them, yet they prophesied, or preached, I thought. But if they had stood in my counsel and had, and had caused my people to hear my words, not their words, their words are not going to measure, not going to amount to much when it's all said and done, but God's word, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. And I was just thinking how... You know, all those that have come along here, a true man or true woman that's sin of God, there will be an underlying message of repentance somewhere along the way. You know, it's not just to puff us up, how great we are, how wonderful. You know, 
No. It's how really all of our righteousness is as a filthy rag and we need God. And we need to turn to Him. In other words, a true prophet is not going to preach a comfortable message. Sedu didn't preach a comfortable message. The things he said. And this morning I was thinking, you know, maybe you should move around in your seat a little bit, get really comfortable, because I'm not going to be comfortable. I don't want to be comfortable. I've been around too long. You know, and you don't know how much time you have. So you just go for it. It's like you. You have any guarantee you're going to be here tomorrow? How many of you? Can you guarantee you're going to be on the earth at 5 p.m. Monday afternoon? None of us. And so we should live as if it's our last day on the earth. But at the same time, we know that the Lord is good. Say, the Lord is good. And His mercies endure forever. Say it again. The Lord is good. And His mercies endure forever. The Lord is good. And His mercies endure forever. You know, forever means forever and ever and ever and ever. Well, I don't know how I'm going to get through all of this. This may be one of those words that lasts forever. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know it could. I don't think so. No, I just want to deliver what he put in my heart. I was sitting, standing. I don't know what I'm doing there. But anyway, I had a picture of this one place I went where there's a rock. The other side, you can see all of Wilkes County. All of, I mean, the whole county. But the other side, you look toward the parkway, and there's a rock you can stand out on, and it's beautiful. You can see forever. And I was just picturing that rock, thinking, God, how come I couldn't just stay there? I, I really, Lord, if I had my choice, I'd still be back at the rock. You know what I mean? And I'd just like stay in your presence. I don't, Lord, I don't need any of that stuff. I just want to be with you. And, but anyway, he reminded me, no, you're there, so you'd come back here. You need to go back there often. And you've got to remind yourself and stand in the council, the session of the Lord. But He doesn't call us to live with Him yet all the time. Yes, all the time. But He's called us to be in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. And as long as we're in the world, we've got to be all He's called us to be. Isn't there a scripture that says that as Jesus Christ is in the world, so we are to be? Yeah, we're to be as Him, as His feet, as His, his um, hands. That's his voice, his spokesman. Now, I want you to go with me. I'm going to get in the Word, and then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to take off this morning. But look in 1 Peter in chapter 2. Say 1 Peter. That's a good scripture. You may want to... What if you meet Peter one day? Well, you are. We're going to. I'm going to meet him now. But... um. But you know what I mean. Look in all right, First Peter. Some of the scriptures would be on the, the screen, but there was a lot of them. And it's just always the way I've been. I just believe that God's Word has way more to say than I say. It's what I say you're going to forget. What God says you're going to be held accountable to. And His Word never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which He sends it forth. So anyway, First Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the king. Servants, and he's using the, the example of servants and masters. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. 
Now that's a good word for us in that it should remind us that sometimes people will treat us really gentle, really good. Other times they're going to treat us harshly, you know, and brutally. So, but we're not to change. We're called to a higher standard. And the standard is in verse 17, honor all people, regardless of how they treat you. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And then if you read on for verse 19, for this is commendable. If because of conscious sake, conscious toward God, one endures, say endure, endures grief, suffering wrongfully. What credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? You know, you get beat up, you just take it. Well, I'm just going to take this patiently. Go ahead, beat away. What good is that? He goes on. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Now, verse 21 is real important because we're going to come back there later. For to this you were called. Say called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. How many of you want to follow in the steps of Jesus? You may want to take heed to this word. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. He didn't get even. I'm going to get you. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Now, another word that we were reminded or we were challenged with when Brother Sidhu Savarez was here. What did he say was coming to the church in America or coming to America? Tribulation, persecution, suffering, martyrdom. He said all of these things before he said this is a place of refuge. And some people are starting to visit. They're thinking about coming here. You know, only come if God sends you here. Because listen, we're not refuge. He's your refuge. Wherever you make him your refuge, you will be in a place of refuge. But I do believe that there are some places that God is preparing. And I was thinking about that word, and you probably haven't read the little book that I wrote outside. It's in the bookstore. Nobody reads my stuff. They read all these other guys. They come along, they read their books. They don't read my stuff. I said what Sidhu said long before Sidhu said it right here. I said it in a book. Because I saw things coming. I saw, I saw war. I saw persecution. And if you read that, you'll remember it was not a pretty scene. I'm not going to tell you the story now, nor as to gross you out. But I saw intense persecution. But in that dream that I had, because I obeyed the Holy Spirit, I listened to his voice. I heard him and obeyed him. I was supernaturally delivered. And you can read about that. I couldn't, in the dream, I was doubting, Lord, I'm not going to escape. How am I going to obey me? So I obeyed him, and I escaped. And I remember in that dream, after I, I escaped the persecution, I was all of a sudden in a field, and I'm walking in this, the middle of the crowd. The crowd was as far as the eye could see on each side of the path. And I had, I was supposed to, well, first of all, I had to put on a shirt. I was standing next to Rick Joyner putting on a shirt before I took off down the path, which speaks mantle, you know, authority. But anyway, I'm walking down the path thinking, God, what do I have to say to these people? Because the shaking had begun. 
And I knew they were wondering, what in the world, what's God saying? The shaking is intense. We need to hear a word from the Lord. And I'm walking through saying, God, I don't, what am I going to say? Lord, I don't, what am I going to say? I need a word too, God. So anyway, I get to the end of the scene and I stand up on this, whatever it was. And I turn around and I say, this is not the opportunity of a lifetime. This is not the opportunity of, you know, a generation. This is the greatest opportunity in all of history. And then I sat down. And I'm telling you, we're living in that moment right now. We have a great opportunity. But the opportunity one day will be over. What did that guy say? Somebody said, the opportunity of a lifetime only lasts during the lifetime of the opportunity. You have to run. Why you run? You got to believe. Why you, you know, call upon him while he's near. And I believe we're living in that time. Now I want to get into the word, okay? You with me? Did I get your attention? That's all the beginning. Somebody told me recently, they said, look, man, you need to have longer services. They come from a long way. I long for the day we meet all day. We just show up, you know, and somebody preaches, and then we do stuff, pray and see miracles, go raise some dead. Then we come back and preach, and then we have more people. Then we have a great harvest of souls. And then you know what I mean? It just happens continually. That's why we have that platform. I know it's still sitting out there with nothing around it, but I'm envisioning what's to be around it. I'm not giving up on that vision. I feel like the Lord said, build the platforms. I build it. And uh, he's going to have to help us build the seats around it. If not, we'll sit on the ground. But anyway, I'm, I'm believing for seats. How many of you are believing for seats? I'd rather air conditioning too, Lord, maybe. You know, fans, you know, covering. It would be a really good thing. But anyway, I'm trying to pray here. I'm, I don't want to get, get off track. No, I do want to get off track. We don't want to off our track. Get on the Lord's track. His track will lead you to safety. Your own track will lead you to doom. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. You know what I mean? There's a way that seems right to man. The end thereof leads to doom, destruction. But he is the way. How many of you are glad he's the way? He is the way. So, Lord, you're the way, the truth, and the life. So we come to you. And we just declare, Lord, God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And so we thank you that you've chosen to use men and women like us. So speak through us. Give us grace. Lord, let there be an impartation. Lord, in many ways I am still standing on that rock. I'm right there with you, Lord. Because you fill the whole earth and you fill the heavens and the earth. You're not a God that's far off. I didn't leave you up there. You're here. You're the God that's here, the God that's now. And we pray this, God. Lord, shake the churches in America today while we're here. God, pour out your spirit in the churches of America again. Lord, set the church ablaze. Turn over their apple cart, God. And you come in power and might because the days are short. The enemy knows he has only a short time. And Lord, we do. We pray for heavenly restraint. Lord, we don't know if James Wolsey exactly knows. He's not been to that satellite. He just knows from intelligence. Lord, we ask for heavenly restraint. We ask that the angels of God would encamp around. Lord, when that satellite passes over America twice, I think it's twice every day. 
if I'm right. Lord, we ask you to guard and protect. Lord, we ask you to nullify the plans of the enemy. Disconnect. God, it's... Lord, the whole election, because you heard our prayers. Lord, we ask you now, disconnect whatever's in that satellite that is evil, God, we pray. God, put a holy restraint. Give our leaders wisdom to know what to do in this hour. Lord, if they're ignorant to your ways, God, we just pray for more angels to occupy positions all over the land, all around our borders and the seas, the north and the south. Because, Lord, our help is not in man. Vain is the help of man. Our helper is in the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. God, we are history without you, but with you, we can make history. So we thank you, we trust you, we call on you. You are Lord. We declare your lordship over our nation this morning, over our sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me get to the story. You guys with me? Second Thessalonians, you don't have to turn there. But it says, now brethren, concerning the, the coming of the Lord and our gathering together with him, don't be soon shaken, troubled in spirit or in mind. As if that day has already come upon you. That day will not happen unless two things happen. What are they? The great falling away and what? The son of perdition, the son of lawlessness. The, you know, I believe that is the Antichrist is going to be revealed. Lawlessness will abound. How many of you think lawlessness is abounding today in America right on our TV screens? You know, with this thing going on with the NFL, I don't know if you read, I wrote a little something on it. But I was asking the Lord, Lord, what is, is there any spiritual significance about their taking a knee, you know, during the playing of the national anthem and, uh, you know, all of this? And I felt like the Lord said, well, look in my word. I believe God's word speaks into every situation man will ever face. May not have the exact... A, B, C, one, two, three, you know, but the principle is there. And many times it will be exact. So I started looking in the Word. I don't know if you read it, but there are many occasions or reasons for kneeling in the Bible. One of them, it is an act of worship. You, and you know, you're, it's boiling down to two, there's only two places you're going to worship. You're going to worship the Lord God, or you're going to worship the beast. How many of you know that? You're going to worship the Antichrist. Revelation says the whole world... Worship the beast, except for those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's why we got to get people's names in the book of life as quickly as we can. We must hasten the day of the Lord. So worship. In other words, honor. You, you know, you bow and, and honor, and you know what I mean, stuff like that. And kneel. Then it was prayer and devotion and thanksgiving. Remember Daniel. They said, you know, you, you got to bow to this image, but don't worship and all that stuff and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Daniel in, in particular, when he was not supposed to pray, what did he do? Did he hide? No, he just opens the window so the whole world can see. And he kneels down in prayer. He's not ashamed. And in, if you think about it, Daniel in his kneeling was actually standing for his God, but for the world. He was not going to bow to the politically correct crowd of the day. He was going to worship his God unashamedly, without compromise. And then to bow was a mockery and defiance. And that's what I believe is happening in many cases. I know they said it's equality, all that's junk. I don't know. It's, listen, I know that they started out doing it to mock the flag. That's how it started. Anyway, Jesus, remember the soldiers. They bowed before him, remember? They took the knee. 
before the Lord. They said, oh, hail, king of the Jews. You know what they were saying? You're not my king. You're not my king. You know, oh, hail, king. You're not even the king of the Jews. The truth was he was the king of the Jews. And the truth is they're going to bow one day too. And, that's, and then it was a sign of submission and yieldedness to the pagan gods of the day. And I found in the scripture, Ashtoreth was the god of fertility, the queen of heaven, sexual revolution, somewhere got started by this demon. Did you hear who died this week? Hugh Hefner. You know the scripture that says hell has enlarged itself. Unless Hugh Hefner repented, you know where he is this morning. I mean, maybe in the last moments of his life, I know Shirley often prays for people at the moment of, Lord, right before they die, show yourself, convict them, draw them in their spirit, whatever. And I believe a lot of those prayers, God hears those prayers. But he was responsible for much of the pornography that has invaded the nation. And then I, I heard this interview. He was actually a protege of that guy, Dr. Alfred Kinsley. And isn't he the father of modern sex education? Do you know who Alfred Kinsley was? He was a pedophile. He was a child molester. He was a demonly possessed man who wrote down the way he viewed life. And the modern day education system in America views Dr. Kinsley as some great authority. Isn't it crazy? Have mercy. Absolutely, the man was sick. The man was a demon. Possessed with demons. Anyway, I heard more in that stuff. I can't even repeat. The th you, you don't even want to know the whole story of Dr. Kinsley and the things that he was involved in. But anyway, Lord, I pray that Hugh Hefner was saved, but I'm telling you, we're paying the price today because that man, he, was, he grew up in a Methodist church. He was a devout Methodist church. And right before, when he was engaged, his... Fiance went out on him and he broke his heart and he was hurt and he carried that wound all of his life And then he ended up having what seven girlfriends. He still married that girl. I mean, it's a horrible story But I'm telling you they're gonna be no. I mean no I take that back. They're gonna be a lot of playboys in hell But no boys will be playing in hell It's not gonna be that way It's not a party It's real so anyway, I was thinking of Ashtoreth. Then Chemosh. Chemosh, they bowed, or they took the knee before Chemosh. Chemosh meant the destroyer, the subduer. I wonder if the destroyer is running rampant today. You know, that's what socialism is. It destroys everything in its path. Destroyed our educational system. It destroys family, destroys everything. Then there's Milcom. Anybody know what Milcom means? It means their king. There's a scripture. It says, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but they also swear by Milcom. In other words, they're people that actually thought they were honoring God, worshiping God, and yet when they left wherever it was that they thought they were honoring God, they go and they'd honor their own king. They live for themselves. I thought that was a picture of America today as well. Then there's, of course, Baal. Now, Baal was the male, Ashtoreth, the female, and there's a lot of names for Baal. Do you know, Baal is a big god in America today. He's alive and well in almost every city in the United States of America. He's the god behind Freemasonry. 
And they don't even know. They're worshiping Baal. It's unbelievable. But one of the names for Baal is Baal Perizim. You know what that means? Anybody know? This is a lesson today. I'm going to ask you some more questions. Baal Perizim is the Lord of divisions. What do you think's happening? So when they take their knee, what's happening? Division. The Lord of division. And you see, Baal Perizim probably, these demons know the word of God. And they know what Jesus said. You know, he said, and here's the amplified version of what Jesus said. These demons know. If a kingdom is divided, split into factions and rebelling against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house divided against itself, then that house cannot stand. Then there's one more example, and I'm going to press on. I hope you hadn't left me yet. Anybody left for lunch? I hope not. Don't go to lunch yet. It ain't time to go to lunch. You got all day to go to lunch. The last thing they bowed is how God is... One day every knee is going to bow. That's what I'm trying to say. One day every knee. How God has highly exalted His Son. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So those guys that are practicing kneeling to whatever gods, I mean, some of them, I really believe, you know, they, some of them are, think they're doing right and just and you know what they're... But, but all of them are going to bow one day before Him. All. Every knee will bow. Hugh Hefner. I don't know what... I don't know how all this works, but he's going to bow his knee one day. I tell you, this is an amazing time to be alive. Well, back to the two things. Second Corinthians, that's why I swayed off a little bit, because the two things that are going to happen before the Lord comes is there's going to be this revealing of the son of perdition, lawlessness, and all this stuff, but there's also going to be a great falling away. What could cause someone who began well in the faith, fall away. What do you think? Yeah. Those are all good answers. I can't hear them all. Shirley says sometimes I need a hearing aid. I don't need no hearing aid. I can hear well. What did you say? <laughs> I always tell her that. I say, huh? You say, sometimes you can't hear. I say, huh? It, it stirs the conversation, doesn't it? And then I repent. I didn't mean that. But anyway, just you said some of it. Deception, false teachers, false prophets, false doctrine. If somebody, you know, comes in with false doctrine, hopefully we will recognize it because we're to be like the Bereans. You go and you say, now I want to see in the Word is what he said true. And then, but the world's enticements can lead someone to fall away. The passing pleasure of sin. That was the life of a playboy. The, it was pleasurable for a season. I promise you, Hugh Hefner's pleasure is over. If he, never, if he didn't come to the Lord. And then, not only false doctrine, but you know what else are going to lead people astray? It's no doctrine. No doctrine. They don't even want to go there. They think it's a religious word or something. You know, you some kind of legalism. No. Listen, he said, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. We have to know the word. That's why we have to know what we believe. You've got to know the, the foundations of the faith. We're going to start a foundations of the faith class real soon. 
what I really was thinking, what after this weekend, we ought to just have a boot camp up at that camp for everybody that wants to come the first time to practice for the harvest. Because most people don't even know some of the foundations of the faith. So maybe we should start with the faithful first. Then we can handle the harvest. So anyway, I'll work on that. I'll see how much it costs. It looked like a pretty cool place to go up there and get away and run through the woods and have fun. I found I'm all by myself walking through the entire 600 whatever it is acres. Nobody was around. So I found somebody left their Frisbee from a summer camp. So I picked it up and I'm playing Frisbee by myself. You know, I'm glad nobody been watching. They'd say, well, who is that guy there playing Frisbee? You know. One time it got close to the water. I was not going to go in the water if it went. So anyway, we got to get back. 1 Peter chapter 2, 19 through 21. So let's get back there. Say, let's go back. All right. We're going to launch here pretty quick. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. He says, it's commendable. It's not that commendable if you're beaten for your own faults and you take it patiently. But if you do nothing worthy of the, that beating and you, and you take it patiently, then you, it's commendable before God. And then in verse 21, it says, for to this you were called. You were called. I want to talk about the calling to suffering. How many of you want to answer the calling? How many of you have a call on your life? If you're a believer, you have a call. First of all, to be a son or a daughter of God, that's where it all begins. But you have another calling. And we need to know what the Bible says so we will not fall away. I'm going to be held responsible. Anybody fall away that sits under this ministry, I have some feeling I'm going to have some kind of responsibility there. And that's why the fire's still burning. It's going to burn till I'm 88 and a half. I'm going to keep burning. Then, I, I mean, I don't know when I'll turn it over to you guys. Maybe way before that. I don't know. Maybe soon. Maybe not. But I'm burning until I do. All right? I'm not going to fizzle out here. You know, the devil is a liar. He's a wet blanket. But God is greater. There's a fire burning in my bones. Remember Philippians. Okay, now, where are you going? What did Paul say? He said, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. How many of you want to know him and the power of his resurrection? And the fellowship of his sufferings. Does anybody know what the word fellowship is, the Greek meaning of the word fellowship? Come on, guys. You've got to be some help around here. You want to hear Koinonia. It's koinonia. Now, we're to have koinonia with one another, fellowship. The word koinonia means partnership, participation, communicate, communion, fellowship, all these things. And we're to have koinonia with one another. Did you know that you're to have koinonia with God in the fellowship of his sufferings? I'm going to show you all these scriptures. It's an amazing how much of the Bible. So let's look at some scriptures. I finally got to James chapter 5. Let me just look at them, read them, and then we'll go back and talk about some things. James 5, verse 10, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and what? Patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who run for their lives when they're being threatened. No, that's not what it says. Who do what? Who endure. Endure. 
I told Shirley this morning, when I, when I, somehow I'm going to get to some of those 95 thesis. I want to talk about some of that, but I, I feel like we're living in a day of reformation. There's a new reformation, the restoration of all things. And one of the things today, the church of the end times needs to stamp down on some kind of, you know, stamp on somebody's wall, is that there will be a remnant that will endure all things to the end. They will not give up. They will not quit. They will not back down. They will endure to the end. And then he says, you've heard of the perseverance of Job. You've seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very, what? Compassionate and merciful. Many people bail out right before they see the end intended by the Lord. You think that's possible? I know it's possible. They quit. They give up. They throw in the towel. And they never see the end of the story. There's an end of the story. There's an end to the book. Your book, your life story. You hadn't got there yet. Right? Anybody at the end? No. You're still here. So there's more to this story than what you're reading right now. So hang in there. All right, 1 Peter chapter 4. But moan and groan to the extent that you are partaking of Christ's sufferings. Is that what it said? No. Rejoice inasmuch as you are partaking, partaking of Christ's sufferings. What do you mean? That when His glory shall be revealed, we will all be glad. For it says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. How many of you want the glory of God to rest upon you? I'm not saying all that we've had was fake. I'm just telling you the real glory will come soon. We're going to know the real glory in the midst of great suffering. If this scripture, maybe we could just remove this scripture. Anybody, anybody want to take this out? Maybe we could just scratch it out of the book. But it says, no, we're not going to do that. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Remember Isaiah. Arise and shine. Darkness shall come and the glory of the Lord shall arise on you. On their part he's blasphemed, but on your part he's glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. You can really suffer by being a busybody in other people's matters. You know, I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm just saying. You know what I mean? You get in stuff you shouldn't get into. Yeah, you receive that. Don't go there. Some people, it's their... It's their party. They built it. They made it. Let them lie in it. Don't, you know, and then, when, then help them when they get out of it. And they call out for help. Verse Colossians chapter 1. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And now here's a great, this is one of those scriptures you hardly ever hear preached anymore. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. In the old days, they preached that message. How I many of you know that? We remember. Those old guys trumpeted this. This new generation of, you know, whatever goes and, you know, hyper grace. You come to our church so you'll feel comfortable about yourself and good about yourself. They're not going to touch your scripture. Now, here's what the Amplified says about this. The Amplified. Even now I rejoice in the midst of my sufferings on your behalf. And in my own person, I am making up whatever is still lacking and remains to be completed 
on our part of Christ's sufferings. For the sake of the body, the church. Somebody would say, well, didn't he suffer enough? He suffered at the cross for salvation. But there's other sufferings that we have to fulfill. You can read the book of Revelation. You'll see it's not going to come until the number of martyrs, the number of people that are to be beheaded. I mean, this is bigger than what they told us. Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. Here's the rest of it. Being conformed to his death that if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So the prize is the resurrection. Say, that's the prize. The resurrection of the body. But how many of you know before the resurrection will come the crucifixion, before the crown comes the cross? I don't like that part of the story. You're not going to grow churches like that. You preach, I'm telling you right now, if you guys are going to be pastors... You preach this kind of stuff, you're not going to have a big church. They're not going to want to hear it. But they'll be, God will be big in your place. Angels will visit that place. And when, when the thing flips upside down, then they'll run to your place because those other places left them high and dry. You, you know what I'm saying. Okay, 2 Corinthians, now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation which is effective for enduring the same sufferings, which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation, and our hope for you is steadfast because we know that you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. Now, I'm not talking about suffering with some cancer and disease. How many of you hate cancer? It's a foul, evil demon. And we go, we're going to re resist it to all the way to the point of no return. I'm talking about other forms of suffering for the cause of Christ. When you're rejected, ridiculed. Remember, there's, where there's no pain, there's no gain. They told us that in sports. I was just a little guy and I went through the pain. On the football field, I never saw the gain. But in basketball, I did. But you got to go through the pain. You got to suffer a little bit. You got to hurt. 1 Peter chapter 4. Therefore, now look at this scripture. Here's a good one. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, he did suffer. Arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has done what? Ceased from sin. Do you know why many people continue on in their sin? They do not cease because they're enjoying it. And they don't want to take up their cross because it hurts the flesh to deny the flesh. I mean, if you know that. But it says that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the, the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we've spent enough of our past time in doing the will of the Gentiles, walking in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, idolatries, and it goes on and says that if you don't follow the crowd anymore, the crowd's going to turn on you, basically. But that's part of what it means to take up your cross. You say goodbye to whoever, and you say, I'm following him. Everybody still with me? Don't go to sleep. If I see you nodding, I'm going to come and yank you. Do you know that Sadhu, Pastor Sadhu, Brother Sadhu, he will not allow chewing gum in his conferences? He said that right off the bat. 
Anybody chewing gum? Remember that? He said it in his Indian dialect. If I'd have had gum in my mouth, I'd have swallowed it big time. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have, man. Okay. Well, look at this one. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. But may the God of all grace, say all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while. Why does that have to be there? God, can we take it out? After you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. How many of you want to be perfect, mature sons and daughters, established, strengthened, settled in your faith? Hebrews 5, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. Now, is he not our example? And so we follow his example, his footstep. Philippians for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his name's sake. And then 2 Timothy, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now go with me. Galatians. Say Galatians. I'm trying to keep you awake and alert. You don't want to miss because there is going to be an impartation, okay? You don't just preach all these suffering messages and then say, okay, now go home. You know, you know what I mean? So you carry that load all week. Whoa. Yeah, it is woe. If I go back and live the way I lived before I came here, it's woe. But if I change, if I turn to him in repentance, it's wow, God. Wow, how great you are. You know, the wages of sin is still death. How many of you know that? That covers individuals. It also covers nations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Many have rejected him, but there's a remnant that have accepted him and they're following him. And they're going to see the faithfulness of God until the very end. All right, Galatians chapter 6, verse 12. Look what it said. This is good. As many as desire, now pay attention. This is really good stuff. It'll help you. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh... In other words, they just want to look good before men. They want to take a knee because if they stand, they're going to be ridiculed. They're going to stand alone. If you're going to follow him, at times you will stand alone. But anyway, okay, so they, make a, they want a good showing in the flesh. These would compel you to be circumcised. Only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. So they don't want to suffer, so they try to talk you out of going the whole way. So you, you won't suffer persecution for the cross of Christ either. But you'll miss it altogether. Verse 13, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that you may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus, by whom the world has been crucified to me. For in Christ, it's neither circumcision or uncircumcision. It's not your religious formality. It's not your religious political correct. It is, it's not circumcision or uncircumcision. It's taking up your cross and following him. It's being a new creature in Christ Jesus. Anybody see that? Okay. So, anyone can take a knee with the majority. But it requires one take up his cross and if need be suffer persecution. To stand alone in this hour. 
But there's going to be a great price. Great price. You know, God has always sent the right people at the right time, I feel like here, with the right message. Let me if you believe that. Well, following Brother Sadu, we have a man coming October the 17th. Let me tell you the story. You remember Eugene Bach? He is this. He's like the Indiana Jones of modern missions. He goes where no man has gone before. He wells an Indiana Jones hat. He goes into North Korea. He goes... Oh, wherever God sends him, he's an amazing. He wears a ball cap when he comes here as camouflage because he didn't want to be seen. But anyway, I don't even know if that's his real name, maybe something else. But a couple weeks ago, Al Young, who is Eugene's assistant, called me. And I've known Al when we were in Mississippi. He was a pastor in Lumberton, and I was in Columbia, and we would get together from time to time. So I've known Al forever, and Al says, Hey, David, uh, the head of Back to Jerusalem, not Eugene Bach, but Brother Yoon, the heavenly man, is going to be speaking on Wednesday night, the 18th, in Charlotte at Fort Mill. Would you like him to come on a Tuesday night to Moravian Falls? Now, my first thought was, on a Tuesday night? Who's going to come on a Tuesday night? I, I don't know. They said they don't care about that. They said, we want a fellowship with you. They like Moravian Falls. I think they're scouting out the land for places of refuge. I don't know. But they really, we want to hang around you, so we'll just come. We don't care who comes. I say, well, come. You can come. I want to hear what Brother Hune has to say. How many of you know about that man? Now, this is what's the scary part. But God, why are you sending him here to share his message at this time? He became a Christian at age 16. He would ask his mother, who is the Son of God? And she would say, well, he is Jesus. He is the Son of God. And you can read about him in a Bible. And he wanted a Bible. Now, in com he grew up in communist China. Okay, this is communism, communism, communist China. So they didn't, nobody had a Bible. The mother said, I know a man in a nearby village who has a Bible. Let's go visit him and see if he will show us the Bible. So they go and they knock on the door. Would you show us the Bible? What do you think the man says? No. Because he doesn't know who, who they are. He didn't know, you know how they found out. Everybody's living in fear. He said, why don't you tell, why don't you pray and ask God to give you a Bible? So he said, okay, 16-year-old boy, God, would you give me a Bible? So anyway, he, now this is an amazing deal. He begins to fast for 100 days. He ate one bowl of steamed rice every day for 100 days, 16 years old. At 4 a.m. on a certain night after the 100 days, he has this vision. He's trying to push a cart up a hill, and he's starting to grow weary. An, an old man pushes his cart next to his cart, and he says, young man, can I help you? Now, in the old man's cart, there's bread, bread, so he picks up. Oh, no, there's two men with him. Try to get the story right. There's two men with him in this dream or this vision. And so this old man says, would you give this young man a loaf of bread? So they pick it up, put it in a red bag. They give it to him. He starts eating the bread. It becomes a Bible. The problem is he wakes up from the dream. And he's looking around for the Bible. Where's the Bible? It's no Bible. Two men all of a sudden knocking on the door of his house. They're the two men in the dream. They said, here, son, we, we were told we were to give you this bag, a red bag of bread. It wasn't bread. It was a Bible. 
So he starts memorizing the Bible. Just memorizing the whole book of Matthew. Just, just searching the scriptures. It's an incredible time. Now, but that's not the only part of Brother Yoon's story. At age 17, he was arrested numerous times, but thrown into prison three times. The first time is age 17. At that time, he was ministering in another city, and he was thrown into a, one of the coldest places on the earth, it sounded like when you read the story. Yet he started singing Psalm 150, and God sent a, a heavenly warmth to his hands and feet in the midst of the prison cell. But it was during his first imprisonment that he felt that God said, do you want to see your family? He said, yes. He said, so fast. He goes on a 74-day fast. No food, no water. You got to come see this man. We need to tell people, come see this brother Yoon. 74-day fast, no bread. That's a supernatural fast. But because of that, God tells him to get up and go. And anyway, he gets supernaturally delivered. He's tortured. He tells the story of how they stuck needles under his fingernails. He goes through some of the most awesome, unbelievable. It was during his third imprisonment that uh, God spoke to him and he supernaturally delivered him. Well, he's going to be here on Tuesday night, October the 17th. And so we want to honor this man who spent time in prison in communist China, but he's going to come with a message. That's the, the frightening part to me, you know. Okay, so he's, you're sending him God. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you say, what do you mean frightened? If you know the real fear of God, let me tell you, it's not this thing you jump up and hallelujah and run around and jump over pews. It's the holy fear of God. You know, when you hear the suffering of the saints and you know that you're called, I want you to say something out loud. Okay, we're going to get the, so hang in there with me. Oh, good, I'm over time. Somebody said we end too fast. I'm not going to end too fast today. Okay, all right. Just say this. Say, I am called to be a mighty man of God or a mighty woman of God. Say it. I'm called to be a son or daughter of God. I'm called to do great exploits for the kingdom. Now say this, I'm called to suffer for his name's sake. I'm called to take up my cross daily. I'm called to endure to the end. I'm called to walk in great grace. I'm called to bring him great glory. And I'm going to do it. Now, from here on out, it won't take too long, but go to Romans chapter 8. I want to look at, this is a strange, now I've got to tell you this. I did not get this because I was inspired by Brother Sidhu Savarez. This message God gave me, you can ask Shirley, I had all the notes, the points, before he even showed in the door. And then when he showed in the door, I said, God, you've been showing me this stuff for a long time. I wrote a booklet. Nobody wants to read the book. I told somebody one time, it makes great firewood. Maybe they'll read it one day. I don't care if they read it. I could care less. I just want them to be close to him. Read, read his book. Forget my book. Read his book. 
This will get you through it. This will, this is word. The words of men are temporary. The words of God are eternal. So what do we need to remember in times of suffering? Are you, are you with me in Romans? Because I want to just look. It's all in the Scripture. And I'm just going to touch on each of them. And then we'll bolt out of here like a bolt of lightning to do the will of God. Because there's going to be divine assignments, appointments. You know, many of your disappointments are to get you in the place where you would have a heavenly appointment. You don't know that. You go through stuff. It's so God wants you to go through so you can get into what he's up to in the midst of that place. And the people that are walking there where you walk. So you can identify with them and give them great hope. Okay, Romans 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Say that, Abba, Father. Father, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, say if. If, indeed, we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, I'm going to read verse 18 later because it's one of the points. But look in verse 19. This is really good. This is what God's been saying to us and spoke through Etienne for the creation. No, verse 18. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. If there's any scripture right now that's like hot on the presses, that's one of them. Because God is raising up sons of God. All of creation moaning, great labor pains. I mean, you know, it's happening all around us because they want the sons of God to arise. Because they're going to encounter some de deliverance in the, the grand story of all that God's doing. Anyway, how are we going to hear some lessons on suffering correctly? I don't know what to entitle this. Because, you know, if you give it the wrong title, nobody's going to want to listen to this later on. How to Suffer for Him. Who's going to go? Who's going to read that book? You know what I'm talking about? They have to... I'm just going to preach it anyway. Okay, get ready. Number one, suffering is a part of what it means to be led by the Spirit and to be a real son of God. I just read it. I'm not going to go back. It's in the context. If you're led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. If, indeed, you suffer with him. You know, and also in verse 15, it's really good. It's the sons who really get to know the Father. Can you believe, I've heard people say that the greatest revelation of the fatherhood of God is yet to be revealed at the end of the age. Now I know why. You go through this stuff, it's like, Abba, Father. It's like, whoa, the Father will become known. There'll be a revelation. In the midst of suffering. Then verse 18. Now here's number one. Number two. Number one was what? It's part of what it means to be a son of God and to be led by the Spirit. Number two, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, say this present time, they're not even worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So number two, the present time, the temporary, is nothing compared to the eternal. And when you're going through stuff, you have to keep one eye focused on this world because you're living in it. But you're not of it. Keep another eye fixed on eternity. Because there's more to come than you'll leave behind. Way more to come. The glory. There's no comparison. 
you know, September flew by. Now it's October. I don't even know how this happened. Some of you know. Where did September go? Did you take September, David? No, you didn't, did you? But it's just gone. It's gone. So it will be in times of suffering. It will come and go, and you'll, rem- you'll look back and you'll say, you know, that was really nothing compared to what I'm walking in now. How many of you found that to be true? When you went from one degree of glory to another glory, but you went through a great trial that you'd rather had avoided if you had the choice, but it was painful, you endured, and you saw the glory. You saw the breakthrough. And it was worth every moment of it. I tell you, it's worth everything that's coming upon this nation for the church of Jesus Christ. How else is he going to separate this thing out? We got wheat and tares showing up in the same place. We got the righteous and the unrighteous. We've got the sheep and the goats, the wise and the foolish. They're all hanging out the same place. And so God will send the fire and he will separate. Separate one from the other. And then the next thing, verse 22 through verse 25. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the redemption. For we were saved in this hope. Say hope. Now, here's a verse, but hope that is seen is what? Not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? For if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So number three, how are you going to survive? At no time will you ever be left hopeless. But it will require endurance. Did you hear that? At no time will you ever be without hope. But the call is to endure, persevere. How long? Until the end. Until the very end. Matthew 24, verse 13. Or 14. No, 14 is the kingdom. 13. He that endures to the end. All right, verse 26 are two things you'll see here. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Thank you, God. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. So here's two things. The Spirit helps us. He's our helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper. And also the Spirit prays for us. And He prays through us that which is the perfect will of God. And then, okay, here, now here's the one that you know. Verse 28. And we know. Now all of this is about the call. If indeed you suffer with Him. And we know that all things work together for good, say for good, to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Part of the purpose is we're called to partake of Christ's suffering, to fill up in the flesh that which is lacking on His part. So all things work together for good. They work together for good. we got to remember that. I know that's a verse most of us memorize. you got to get it. In your heart, in your spirit. It will be your lifeblood. When you go through stuff, God, I thank you. I love you. And Lord, I'm called. And I know that whatever this is, it's working together for my good. And I believe it. Now, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So not only do all things work together for good, but they do for the called who are called to be conformed into his image. We have to remember the end goal is not our happiness or our comfortableness. It is Christ-likeness. We are called to be like Christ. To be, he's the firstborn among many brethren. We're the many brethren that will give him glory. The firstborn, the only begotten son. You remember back when Michael Jordan was popular? You know, there was a song, I want to be like Mike. How many of you remember that? I want to be like Mike. I want, now, you don't you even remember Michael Jordan. You don't even remember. It's been that long ago. Well, forget that story. I can tell you an older story. When I was a young boy growing up in Louisiana, I wanted to be like Pistol Pete. You, how many of you know Pistol Pete? Okay, see, you guys don't know. You're gonna, you don't know. Pistol Pete wore droopy socks. And I wore droopy socks. And I wanted Pistol Pete Maravich. To me, he was the greatest basketball player of the planet of all history. I mean, he was the, the one. And I wanted to be like him. And I grew my hair like him. But I had my droopy socks. Well, droopy or not, we're called to be like Christ. You know what the word image, image in the image. It means likeness, statue, profile, representation, resemblance. So if he's the firstborn among many brethren, we're the many brethren that are going to look like the firstborn and give the firstborn all the glory. This is really a great unfolding story that we're living in. You guys see that, don't you? I've been, I've been sitting on this message for weeks and weeks, thinking, Lord, when's the right time? Okay, verse 31. Oh, now this is good too. All right, where are we at? For what then shall we say to these things? Lord, what about all this stuff? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, that's how you overcome in the midst of whatever you're facing. Your security is not in yourself. It can't be taken from you. God is with you. God is in you. God is for you. Just say that. Say, God is in me. God is with me. And God is for me. So you know what that verse really means. If God is for you, who cares who's against you? The whole world can be against you. They can line up on CNN and they can put out the, the weekly CNN lie and say, We are opposed to you. So what? God is for me. I don't care if CNN is against me. If God is for me, God has the final word. Not CNN. You know what I'm talking about. All right, verse 32. If he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we, he not, with him also freely give us all things? I like this one. So, do the, freely, the things he gives you freely, all things, do they run out when you find yourself in a heap of trouble? Or you find yourself in a situation you'd rather have avoided? No. The all things that he provided are going to be the greatest in the times that you need them the mostest. I know that's not a word. But does that make sense? I tell you, in times of desperation is how you find out how great your God really is. It's how big he will be in your midst. And I'm telling you, whatever vision you have of God right now, 
Stretch your borders. He's far greater than that. Much greater than what you vision him to be. He's going to be that way for the church on the earth in these days to come. And then verse 33 and verse 34. It's amazing how all this stuff fits together. The Bible still amazes me. Does it you? I've lost, I've not lost it. Man, I read the Bible, I say, this is incredible. It's like you, James. This is amazing. How in your world do you think of this, God? This is amazing. Look in verse 35. For who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Or as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. If anybody wants to erase that part, we can. We could maybe, but I don't think it would erase it out of all the Bibles. It'd still be in everyone else's. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So the next thing is we're more than conquerors. You know what the word more than conqueror means? It means to gain a decisive victory. You don't just squeeze in with the last second, come from behind. Now, that would be pretty good, too. And I think a lot of that's going to happen. But it's a decisive victory. I'm just be honest. When I played, when I was a little image of Pistol Pete, I didn't want to just beat people, especially those that were bigger than me. I wanted to squash them. I wanted to drill them. I wanted to destroy them, annihilate them. I'm just telling you, that's the way I was. Man, man. I remember times I could almost blind... I played basketball so much growing up in Louisiana. There were times I could probably blindfold and I would hit them. I'm telling you. It's just I was in my dreams. It was probably a little idol that I had at that time. But I'm glad nobody told me because I sure enjoyed beating up on those big guys until it came time to put it away. We should go play basketball sometime. See if I could still do it. Let's go do it, man. I don't know if I could even, but there was a day. I'm telling you, you know what I mean. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You know when you're a kid, man, you got the fire. Nobody can stop you. I don't care. Six foot, I was only five. No, I was four something. I don't know how tall I was. But anyway, okay, more than conquerors. I got to get through while I still got your attention. All right, num- the next thing. This is number 11. Say, this is the last one. Okay. Not only more than conquerors, but verse 39. No, verse 38. For I am persuaded, say, I'm persuaded, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wherever you are, regardless, whatever you go through, nothing will separate you from the love of God. So our part is to do what Jude 21, 20 and 21 says. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep yourself. Remind yourself. I'm the loved of God. I'm the beloved. That's my name. I'm the beloved of God. But you're the beloved of God. Keep yourself in that love. Don't anybody let anybody talk you out of it. Nothing will separate you from that love. So if you're in a middle of a prison cell and they're sticking needles up your fingernails, I'm the, I'm the loved of God. Thank you, God, that I get to count worthy.
to take up what is lacking. I love you that much, God, that I get to share. I am in koinonia with you. And Lord, I thank you that the whatever sufferings of this present age, they will not even begin to compare with the glory which shall be revealed. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Amen. This is good stuff. Now, how do I impart this stuff? Pour a measure of suffering in you. No, that's not what I'm doing. That's not it. I'm just reading the scripture. It's just the truth. What we're going to pour in us is the measure of grace. You will never run out of God's grace. The more you need God's grace, the more you get it. Because you'll pull on the grace of God. It's like pulling on the anointing. You know, the favor. Okay, so let's stand. Thank you, God. Come on up. Can you play something? Okay, there are people that are watching this morning. And um, I, I guarantee you, everyone in this room can tell you God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. There's been no greater demonstration of that except when he sent his son. No greater love than this, than one would lay down his life. And so, if you need to know the love of God, if you need salvation, some, there are people here this morning, I promise you, that have never been saved. They're like Billy Graham said. They found just enough religion that they've been inoculated from the real thing. And one of the shakings that's coming today is the shaking of religion. Man-made religion going to be shaken to the core. My prayer is God shake it sooner than later. Shake it. He's going to shake the NFL too. You know why? Because he said, I'm going to shake all things. All things. So let him shake it. You became an idol to many. So Lord, we just thank you that you're a good God. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ Jesus, who gave his life. He was tempted at all points, yet without sin. And then he died. He gave up his life, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And Lord, I know that no man can come to you when they want to come. They only come as they're being drawn by the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray right now for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God, I've preached your word that you put in my heart. And I ask now, God, for the conviction and the drawing. Lord, we pray you're the Lord of the harvest. And we pray, God, that you would not only not lose the reward of your suffering, but you would gain a great reward in this day of a great harvest of souls all over the earth. God, we ask you now to, as we cast the net, and we remind people here and abroad that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the, the heart man believes and with the mouth one confesses, he shall be saved. And so right now, if you're in this room, you're watching, you say, I don't know that I know Jesus. I don't know that I would go to heaven if this was my last day on the earth. Then all you must do, you must turn from sin. You say, God, I'm sorry. I know you're drawing me. I repent. I turn from my own way, my own sin. I call it what you called it. I confess it. Sin. Forgive me. Have mercy on me, God. And I thank you that Jesus died for my sin. I can be forgiven. Do you know Hugh Hefner could have been forgiven if he had come to Christ? 
of all that he did, he could have been forgiven. But you can be forgiven today. And so just cry out, say, God, forgive me. Come into my heart. Cleanse me. I put my trust in Jesus and in his death and resurrection. Some of you, you've fallen away. You're not where you were. You become lukewarm. Can I remind you, it is a dangerous place to be at this time in history to be lukewarm. It would be rather, the Lord himself said, I'd rather you cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you. That's what the word means. I will spew you out of my mouth. You don't want to be in that number. And so if, if you've lost the fire, there's time. That's why you're here today. Say, God, send the fresh fire. Send the fresh anointing in my life. Forgive me that I've grown cold. Forgive me that I've compromised. Lord, the little foxes spoil the vine, and I've allowed little foxes to enter in. And God, today I repent, and I come back, and I drive out the foxes, and I say, God, you're my Lord. Jesus, I surrender afresh to you. I'm coming home. Change me. Fill me. Fresh.